Good morning on this Thursday morning. Welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. We left off yesterday talking about the conscience as pertaining to the the story, the teaching of Jesus on the prodigal son. But the emphasis was on the father. His moral character and life should have had a bearing and a witness on the life of both sons in such a way that the one that was given the inheritance and stayed home and the one that was given the inheritance and squandered it all off should have both been affected by, but because of their own decisions to choose what they wanted to choose, each wound up with a very different life. As we had made mention, one, one, the younger son wound up being a slave to his passions, to, des- to his desires, uh, basically shutting down or turning off his conscience, while the other one uh, basically tried through his good works, even though he had an evil conscience. How do we know this? Because of his response to his father, his unwillingness to accept and forgive his brother who had squandered everything. Maybe he wished or he desired to have lived like his brother did, but yet to a degree refrained and restrained himself, but yet there was in him something that was not correct, and that is the inability to forgive or the inability or wanting to uh, deal with the issue of what one had done and what had not been done for him. And he, being home, he lived like a servant instead of a son. As I mentioned, the other one lived like a slave in bondage to, and the other one just like a servant, even though he was a son and he was the heir of everything. Now, the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians teaches us in chapter 4 in verse number 1, He goes on to explain about those that are born in the father's house and they're still under the tutelage. They're still under the bondage of the law. Now, he goes on to say this. Now, I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be lord of all. Now, the difference between a child and a son is that when a son is considered a son, he has reached the age of maturity, or we're going to use the word, the age of adoption, where the inheritance can be given to him and he can administrate it or dispense it according to uh, uh, all that the father has given him. But as long as the individual is still a child, he's not mature enough. Remember, it's those that are sons, according to the book of Romans in chapter 8. In verse number 14, those that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Jesus was not only a child when he was born into this world, But by the age of 12, we saw that he was a son. He was ready to administer the things of his father. In the book of Luke, we find that he says, I must be about my father's business. Uh, 
So he was already, but the time was not yet set of the father of what he should do, of what he should handle. So we find out that the son, the elder son that stayed home, uh, we can apply this to him, even though he was a full grown man. It says, now I say this, that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. He's, he's the ruler. He has the inheritance uh, at, at, at his disposal, but yet doesn't know how to administer it or use it, but is under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the father. Now, this is very important for us to understand because the father is the one that appoints the times. He is the one that appoints for, uh, uh, for us uh, everything that is determined or designated in our lives. He is the one that sets forth the the plans and the schedules for us. So even when it comes to when Jesus will return back, he said that these things are in the Father's hands and only he has the appointed time. Not even Jesus the Son knows the appointed time of the Father of his return. Only the Father does. And of course that also pertained uh, to the the culture and the custom of a wedding when in a Jewish uh, culture, when the individual uh, went and got engaged, he would go away. And then later, when the father said, it's time to go get your bride, he would go and get the bride. But here it says, but is under the tutors and the governors until the appointed time of the father. Who are the tutors? The tutors basically are the guardians or the managers and uh, the governors themselves. We can use the word uh, uh, a, a distributor. That is the overseer. Uh, he is an employee in that capacity and an and age, and agent that is in charge of of uh, uh bringing the 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 son or the child to a place where he is ready to take on the responsibility now it says in galatians 4 3 even so we when we were children were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time and uh, Polar, uh, the, 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 the word there that is used for fullness is Peleroma. That, that means when it was in completion, when it was filled and 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 he was come god sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons 
And because you are sons, God has sent forth his, the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. Now this is very important for us to understand, especially in the sense that when we serve God, many times we serve him out of a conscience that is not pure, and in reality our works are dead. Let's look at what Paul goes on to say in 1 Timothy 1.5 and in 1.19. Now, the end of the commandment is love out of a pure heart and a good conscience and faith unfreighted. The three things that are mentioned there, uh, pure heart, <clears throat> love, love out of a pure heart, a good conscience and faith that basically is absolutely undisassembled. It's sincere. It says in verse 19, holding faith and a good conscience. So we had already see, seen in, in verse 5, he talks about a good conscience, which some having put away concerning the faith have made shipwreck. And in 1 Timothy 3.9, it says, Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. So if our hearts must be pure, and he uses the word pure for the conscience too, exact same word, then that means that we have to have a conscience that just like the heart is cleansed, it must be cleansed. It will affect the way we walk in love and it will affect the way we walk in faith towards God. It really will. And part of that is also the work and the influence which the Holy Spirit will have on the individual's life in guiding and leading him. And we see in Hebrews 9, 8, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all, that's the Holy of Holies, was not yet made manifest. We were not allowed in there except the high priest once a year. And now Jesus has entered in there for us and ever making intercession. The way was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for that time or for the time in other words, for that for that moment, it was required. The, the word there for that time that is used is the word kairos. That means that was needed every single year at the appointed time. He had to go in there and make atonement for the sins of the nation. It had to be year after year after year after year after year. Yet Jesus went in with his blood just one time. And that one time was sufficient. Now, we also had learned that Abel had brought forth his gifts and sacrifices unto God, which were blood sacrifices. Cain brought the fruit of the earth. Now, there was nothing wrong with the fruit in itself, but it does already indicate and show us that his conscience was already warped. It was not pure because it no longer required that blood be necessary uh, 
for the purging or the atoning of sins. When that happens, that means an individual's life reaches a point where, hey, I don't need forgiveness. Uh, sin is not that big of an issue. It's not that big of a problem. Uh, therefore, you know, I, I, I can do some good things. I can do some good works and that should deal with it. And the good works, well, I'll just bring an offering to God. The offering was of the fruit of the land, the very thing that had been cursed, the ground, and he was bringing it to God, not recognizing and realizing that not only had the earth or the ground had been cursed, and the fruit that was uh, being brought was not what was required when a sin uh, was dealing with him. And of course, we also learned from that story how God was uh, basically knocking at the door of his life when he was telling him, look, sin is knocking here at the door and I'm giving you a warning. You better choose correctly. And of course, he didn't. In result, he wound up being so envious and jealous of his brother that he went and murdered him. Now, in Hebrews 9, 9, it says, which was a figure, talking about the, the, the tabernacle and the sacrifice, which was a figure for the time, then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. See, so if what they did could not purify, could not cleanse the conscience, and it was the blood of an animal or it was the sacrifices that they brought like the meal offerings before God, which was one of the things that was required of the five special sacrifices. If it couldn't make them clean pertaining the conscience, then that means that something or someone else had to take place or had to change. There had to be a change in the priesthood and there had to be a change in the law. Uh, so that then we could be able to have our conscience affected by the blood of that sacrifice. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of ashes of a heifer, sprinkling unclean, sanctified the purifying of the flesh. In other words, if the ashes that were mixed in with the water uh, of uh, the red heifer could purify, purify and cleanse the flesh, how much more the blood of Jesus purify the conscience. And that's what it says in Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? See, the elder son, he was serving the father out of dead works. His conscience was not right. He was just a servant while the other one became a slave. He was still under the bondage of the spirits or what are called the elemental spirits of this world. He was still influenced by the flesh, influenced by the world, by the cosmos, influenced and tempted by Satan himself. Well, consider this. Under whose influence are we today? Is it the blood of Christ cleansing our conscience? 
or is it under the influence of anything and everything else? Well, consider this food for thought and for the imagination. The Lord richly and fully bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.